Look, we all have heard about how big God is. We've all heard of his fame. We have all heard of his deeds. We've all heard, you know, different Bible stories. We've, we've heard stories from around the world of God doing some pretty unbelievable things. But if there was one sound that I desire most to have come out of our church in this new season, it would be for the fame and the deeds of God to be renewed, for there to be a hunger in us for the fame and the deeds of God to be renewed in our day, to be renewed in our lives and be renewed in our church. We don't wanna just be another church. We wanna be a church that is needed by our city, a church that would be missed if it was no longer here. But I am just so convinced that there is way more that exists within the DNA of this church than what we are currently seeing with our eyes. And that's why I'm just asking you this, if you're taking notes, I want us all to contend for our miraculous future. And standing in awe of God and believing him for the miraculous is something that has been deeply entrenched in my DNA since as long as I can remember. It is something that I, I value personally. And it's why I, I desire us to become known as a church that fervently seeks the heart of God and contends for the impossible to become normal. That just, that just is silly enough with our faith, just a little bit dangerous enough with our faith that we, we actually believe that the impossible could become normal. That God could really do whatever he wants, that he really can do what he says he can do. And so we wanna be people in this church who pray like it all depends on God. See, I wanna see this church differentiate itself in our community by becoming full of people who reject the societal expectation to consume and instead use their lives to contribute towards the building up of this church. As I mentioned already, like I wanna see us grow closer for sure. And a huge factor in achieving this is when people make the church a top priority in their life to the point where it becomes really the hub that the rest of their life sort of orbits around it. Look, I, I, know, that I know who I'm preaching to and I know the day and age I, like I, am, I am living in, but like you can't just read the Bible and, and get away from this. This is a reality in, 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 the, in the model of the church in the New Testament. The, the, the church was like the hub, everything orbited around it. Those relationships mattered. They sacrificed for each other. They loved each other in incredible ways. Together they were strengthened to, to let the world know that Jesus is the answer. All right, good morning. Man, it is so good to see all of you. Uh, so great to be back together this week for Vision Sunday. Just uh, very excited to be able to share some things uh, that have been on my heart, uh, some uh, direction that I believe God is uh, leading our church into, uh, into the future. And so, uh, man, just, uh, just pumped. I want to just be clear as I get started, um, we're not here for my vision. Uh, we are here for God's vision. And there is uh, really nothing that I have uh, any interest in other than uh, having some divine direction and counsel from the Lord. Um, I have no interest in the best human plans we could come up with. I have no interest in the best human strategies that are out there. I really just want us to hear from God. And my prayer for, for you today has just been that you would hear a word from the Lord, um, that you would hear a steadying and guiding word uh, that would galvanize us with passion and with motivation to really get our lives back on mission. Uh, that's really kind of the, the, the hope and, and, and the, the passion that I have for today, the prayer uh, that exists in me for, uh, for this service. And so uh, Romans chapter 4, uh, 20 through 21, the Apostle Paul writes this, and he's talking about Abraham, and he says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do 
what he had promised. And, uh, and so, you know, just, just to be clear, we're not, we're not here today to just check another box. We're not here today to just hear another message or hear another talk. Uh, we are here to grow strong in our faith, uh, fully convinced that the God who promised is faithful, fully convinced that God will do in us and in our church what he has said he will do. Amen? Um, Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so I want you to think about your own actual vision, your eyesight. How many of y'all know that without the ability to see, uh, you would have a, a pretty difficult time getting uh, to where you want to go? So as it pertains to our church, this has just, just been a season of asking God to give us, give us eyes to see uh, where he is taking us as a church. Uh, so, that, so that we don't just waste our time spinning our, spinning our wheels and, and never going anywhere, anywhere, so that we can truly be the church that he wants us to be. Recently, I read an article. It was called Seismic Waves and the Tsunami Piano, which tells the story of the great East Japan earthquake that struck off the coast of Japan on Friday, March 11th, 2011. Apparently, the earth shook so violently that day that it registered a 9.1 magnitude on the Richter scale. It was such a large earthquake uh, that there were tremors that were felt for days. Uh, these tremors actually caused a huge tsunami that uh, devastated large areas of the country's eastern seaboard. There were waves that were 132 feet tall, reached up to six miles inland. Some of you might even remember seeing some of the footage of entire communities being swept away. Um, I mean, cars literally bobbing in the streets, um, people clinging to the roofs of their homes. Over 15,000 people were killed, and uh, many thousands of others were reported missing, all from this earthquake that led to a tsunami. You might, again, you might remember the footage and how terrifying it was to watch. Can you imagine what it must have been like in that moment watching everything you knew, your entire way of life, be completely swept away in an instant, in a moment, in a blink of an eye? Now, if that wasn't enough, one of the major complications that this disaster created was that it damaged one of Japan's nuclear facilities. Apparently, there was a uh, safety device that was shut off from a negligent worker and as a result, uh, they were now dealing with a nuclear leak. So Japan is facing an even greater crisis at this time. They're dealing with an earthquake, a tsunami, and a nuclear threat. So in this article that I was reading, it tells the story of not just this disaster that hit Japan. It also tells the story of one of Japan's most famous and most beloved artists, a man by the name of Ryuichi Sakamoto. And the article explains that Sakamoto was, was deeply troubled and concerned with the level of despair, and he thought about what he could do as an artist to sort of give hope to his people in a time of complete devastation. Some of you might be familiar with some of his works. Sakamoto wrote the soundtrack to the movie The Last Emperor. He wrote the soundtrack to the movie The Revenant. He has won Oscars. He has won uh, Golden Globes and Grammys. He is, without a doubt, a national treasure in Japan. And uh, they love Sakamoto so much in Japan that they actually made a documentary about his life and his creativity. So in this article that I was, that I was reading, they embedded a, a, a lengthy clip 
from this documentary about Sakamoto's life. And so I, this, this clip that I watched, it shows Sakamoto on this bus. And it's shortly after this, this earthquake and this tsunami and this nuclear threat. And as you watch this clip, at first you're not entirely sure what's going on. You're not entirely sure where Sakamoto is headed. And then the voice of the narrator comes on and explains that after everything that Japan has been through, a beaten up Yamaha piano has managed to survive. And so this instrument is it's not now known as the, the tsunami piano. It has, it has been engulfed by floodwaters. It has been badly damaged. And yet somehow remarkably, it, it has remained, remained intact. And it has been, it has been uh, preserved by a musical conservatory. So in this article, or this, in this clip I'm watching, uh, it shows Sakamoto on this bus, and, and he is on his way to see this piano that has endured this earthquake, that has endured the tsunami and the nuclear threat. And the footage is incredible, because you see Sakamoto walking through this, this hall, and it's, it's, it's pretty much empty. There's pretty much nothing else there except this stage, and on this stage is a grand piano. And I think maybe what had the most profound effect on me watching this clip was, was watching Sakamoto walk up to this piano with such reverence. As he gets up on the stage, there's, there's the musical director that joins him up there and begins to point out the, the, the water line on the side of this piano that has floated on the water and yet has survived. So this story it really explains how in the midst of this great tragedy that Japan has experienced in their history, in the midst of this horrific crisis that they have, they have faced, that a single piano has survived. And one of their greatest musicians has shown up because there's something that he wants. And as you watch this clip, what happens is you, you begin to hear, spoken in Japanese with English subtitles, Sakamoto say this, he says, I heard about a piano that survived the tsunami. I have come to hear its sound. I have come to hear its sound. The director of the institution, he, he says to Sakamoto, he says, look at it. It's, it's frayed, it's, it's, it's warped. And Sakamoto says this, he says, I don't care. I want to know if a sound can still come from it. I want to know if a sound can still come from it. And I think that in some sense, this is the experience that we all have had in Western culture over the last year and a half. As we have, we have watched literally everything we love shaken and swept away. Everything be impacted by this. And, and yet, by the grace of God, our church has survived. I, 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 like now on the stage of human history sits our little church. And this picture that I get in my mind is this image of Jesus, and he's coming to our church and he's visiting and he's asking uh, this, this, this question. He's saying, he's saying I, heard about, I heard about a, uh, a church that, that, that survived some pretty unbelievable times and I've come to hear its sound. I've come to hear its sound. And I think the question we have to be asking ourselves right now is what sound is going to come out of our church after everything that has happened? What sound is going to come out of our church in this new season? Look, if there was one sound that I could pick, to have come out of our church in this new season, it would be the cry of the prophet Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter three, verse two, he says this. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. If there was one sound I could pick to say this will be the sound that comes out of New Point in, in this new season, it would be this right here. 
Look, we all have heard about how big God is. We've all heard of his fame. We have all heard of his deeds. We've all heard, you know, different Bible stories. We've, we've heard stories from around the world of God doing some pretty unbelievable things. But if there was one sound that I desire most to have come out of our church in this new season, it would be for the fame and the deeds of God to be renewed, for there to be a hunger in us for the fame and the deeds of God to be renewed in our day, to be renewed in our lives, and to be renewed in our church. If, if there was one thing I could, I, I could get, my prayer has been that this would be our sound, that this would be the cry of our heart. There is no other answer, there is no other hope than this. I read an article this week in Newsweek magazine. It was entitled, As Church Attendance Declines, evangelical counterculture bets on revival. You know, it was an interesting article. In fact, there was quite a bit in it that I, that I disagreed with and thought was, thought was tough to stomach. But, it, but it, 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 what, what struck me and what stuck with me was, was essentially, you know, this, this branch of Christianity, if you will, acknowledging that there are no more strategies. That when you look out in culture and you see where it's at, there's so much depravity and there is just... There is just no other strategies we can come up with, no other gimmicks that can work. And, and it basically says that they, they've come to the point where they, they've, just, they've just said it, it's either God coming and doing what only he can do. It's, it's either a, a, a move of God in our day, like we read about in the 18th and the 19th century in America and, 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 uh, and other parts of the world with the first and second great awakening. It's either we have that in our future or, or it's, it's, it's not going to work, it's not going to happen and it says they've bet, they're betting everything on revival. And, and in fact, it talks about how even, even other parts of Christendom are a part of this, just saying, look, we don't know what to do. We're like, we need God to do something. We need him to wake up his church, and we need God to wake up people uh, and, and have them come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need God to move. Look, our society is in trauma. I don't know if you realize that. And, and what I am saying is what we want is we want to see God step in and bring healing. We want to see God step in and do some amazing things. And this is honestly part of the reason why we are bringing in Mike and Dean Event Hall here in just a few weeks. Like, I want you guys here for this. This is, a, this is strategic. It's not just like, oh, hey, we're bringing somebody in just so we don't have to preach. Like, like, we're bringing in these people strategically because I want you to hear them tell you about the fame and the deeds of God that are being renewed in our day in other parts of the world. I want you to hear them tell you about unbelievable things that have happened in China and in other places that they visited. I want you to hear them tell you stories that would blow your mind. And then I want you to hunger for that in your life. And I want you to hunger for that in our church. Listen, like, like our, the hope of our city is dependent on the fame and the deeds of God being renewed in our day. There is no other option than this. There's no other option than this. If you're taking notes, I want you to catch this thought with me this morning. We want to be a church in the Des Moines metro that has a heart for following the way of Jesus in a modern culture. It is our deep desire and passion to see the fame and deeds of God renewed and made known in our day. And so the question I think that as, as we get started here and I share some additional vision with you, the question we want to ask is where are we at right now? After everything that's happened in the last year and a half, like where are we today? Well, honestly, we're in okay shape. We're in okay shape, considering everything we've gone through. I, I would tell you that financially, we're not necessarily in a better place. <laughs> we, uh, but we also aren't in a worse place, and that's, that's pretty incredible, uh, honestly. That's, that's a win in my book. So um, 
I would tell you that the first seven months of, of this pandemic, we saw like historic giving in our church. And then as this thing prolonged, uh, that, that, that didn't sustain, you know, it, it tapered back off, but we're in okay shape. We're not in worse shape today than we were 18 months ago. Uh, we are still positioned to do some incredible things for God. There are many people who have remained a part of this church who have essentially said that this church with all of its faults and everything that's good about it, this is my family. This is my church family. This is where I want to be. And we've weathered the storm. No doubt we've weathered the storm. And uh, to God be the glory. Amen? But to be honest with you, this has been a very tough time. It's been a tough time for you. It's been a tough time for this church. It's been a tough time for me. There have been a few moments over this last year and a half where I have, I have sat down and I have thought about our church. Look, I'm not looking for any sympathy, but, you know, pastoring during this season has been pretty hard on me. Has not been easy. It's worn me down at times. And as a result, there have been a few times during this season where I've had some moments of doubt. Some moments of wondering, have I taken this church as far as I can take it? These thoughts, like, they weren't coming from a place of depression. They were coming from a place of honesty. You know, have I, have I taken this church as far as I, can, as, I, as I can take it? You know, there are pastors that I know who have quit during this difficult season. There are churches who have said it's too hard, it's not worth it, and they've closed their doors during this difficult season. And I began to think this. I began to think, you know, nobody would judge us if we closed down our doors and did something easier. No one would judge us if we said, you know, I think that's just too hard. I think people would understand. But then I began to think about the story of our church, or the story of our city without our church in the middle of it. I started to think about people asking the question, whatever happened to New Point? And the answer being, you know, I think it got really hard for them and they just sort of, they just sort of gave up. Thinking about this kind of future for our church, it made me want to weep. It made me want to weep. And during this season, I came across a story in the book of Acts that was, it was, it was, it was so encouraging for me. I mean, it, it lifted my spirit. And it's in Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. And the, the, the verses just go like this. It says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. It says, They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The reason why I think this story has affected me so much is because I, I read it and I, something just jumped out of me in this season that I was living in. And it just, it just showed me that these believers, they come around Paul and, and he's strengthened by them gathering around him and he gets up and he goes back in. He gets up and he goes back in. And honestly, that is how I feel right now. Like, there have been moments of discouragement. There have been moments of, like, like, where is everybody? Moments of preaching into a camera and going, I sure hope it's working. Moments of just not knowing, like, what is going on with, with, with you guys and just hoping that God is, is holding our church together during this crazy season. And, and yet, I, this is how I feel. I feel like Paul. I feel strengthened, and I feel ready to go back into the city. God has put a new fire and a new fight in my spirit for the days ahead. I'm so resolved in my belief today that this is not a moment to shrink back. This is not a moment to give up, but that this is a moment for us as a church to rise up 
If you're taking notes, I want you to catch this. We want to build a church that would be missed if it was no longer here. We want to build a church that is needed by our city. Like I told you almost four years ago when I, when I took over leading this church, that I didn't want to just lead another church. Like there's so many of them. I mean, how many did you pass by on your way here this morning? There's so many in our church. We don't want to just be another church. We want to be a church that is needed by our city. A church that would be missed if it was no longer here. And so to be clear, I want you to know something about me. Like, I am, I am not content. I'm not content. And I have felt restless about our church for some time. I have felt unsatisfied, honestly, with where our church is at. I've longed for the more that God has for us. See, I want you to know, like, this isn't a negative thing, and it's not really, it's not coming from a negative spirit in me. This is a kind of discontentment that we're supposed to have as Christians. It's called divine discontentment, and you've heard us talk about it some over the last several months. It's called divine discontentment, where we long for the more that God has for us, where we understand that where we are is incomplete, that there's more that God wants to do, that there's more that, 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 that is up his sleeve that he wants to bring our way, and we long for that. There is this divine discontentment that there's more to do there's, there's a mission in front of us that's yet to be accomplished, and we, we hunger for that, and we, we long for that, and we want God to bring it our way. There is just so much clarity in the scriptures that the kingdom of God is always advancing. It's always moving forward. And that's why I feel like it's very important that we as a church collectively cultivate a spirit of divine discontentment. Divine discontentment. Let me explain this a little bit more if you're taking notes. While I believe we should be grateful to the Lord for both where we are and all that we have overcome, there should always be a healthy level of hunger and longing for us to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There should always be something in us that's just not quite satisfied yet. Like there's more that God wants to do and we want to see him do it through us. And so what gets me out of bed in the morning is this deep belief that God still wants to move powerfully in our day and that he is looking for people who will say yes to all that he wants to accomplish. That's what gets me up. That's what gets me out of bed. And it's why I struggle with the idea of playing it safe or coasting or just doing church for the next several years, which quite honestly, it is an option for us. Like we could do that. We've got enough money in the bank. We got enough people. We could just coast and we could just do church for years to come. But I am just so convinced that there is way more that exists within the DNA of this church than what we are currently seeing with our eyes. And that's why I'm just asking you this, if you're taking notes, I want us all to contend for our miraculous future. I want us to contend for this. I want us to desire this, for God to do something in our day that we could have never done on our own. Look, what I want for you and what I want for our kids is that Years down the road, as we look back, we all have a miracle story to tell. We just go, I can't believe that God did that. I can't believe that those kinds of things happened in that church that we were all a part of. God showed up, and he changed people's lives. People were radically saved. Unbelievable things happened during that season. I want that story for our kids. I want them to see God do unbelievable things, inexplainable things in their youth that they carry with them into adulthood things that they are marked by forever, things they can't deny because they saw God do amazing things 
in their youth. And this is something that I understand requires nothing less than the Spirit of God to accomplish. But I do believe that there is an active role we're supposed to play in it, all of us. And so this is the time, I believe right now, to essentially press reset. I want you to think about a chess game. Think about a, a chess game that you've played, and when you reset the board, what are you doing? You are now accessing all of the pieces once again to give yourself a new chance to win, a new opportunity to accomplish the original goal. And so I really view this as that type of a reset. Um, not because everything needs to change about our church, but because we need to access all the pieces again. We need to come together again and, and, and be fully strengthened to go after the goal that God has for our church so that we can make an impact for Jesus in the here and now. And so with that being said, you know, if, again, if you're taking notes, we will be intentionally resetting the culture of New Point over the next six weeks. We've been through an awful lot. We have been separated. It is time to reset, to re-strengthen, to have access to all the pieces again. And so to do this, there's a couple, couple strategic ways we're doing this. One is we're going to start a brand new teaching series next week called Building the House. And uh, it's going to go for several weeks, and each week we're going to be teaching on one of the core elements of the culture of this house. Uh, it, it, the way we want, we, we're trying to build this thing, and, and so key cultural elements that, that, that distinguish this church, that make us who we're, we, we want to be. Look, we're not in competition with anybody. There's beautiful churches out there in this city, but there is, there's a uniqueness to New Point. There's a uniqueness to our culture, and we're going to teach on that over the next several weeks the things that make us who we are. And then we are also launching, you saw the announcement, but on October 17th and 24th, we're launching a foundations class. This is a, a, a really important and strategic piece that has been developed in-house. It's one of the big things Pastor Josh has worked on since he was able to be, come on full-time uh, back in February. Uh, this is a huge piece to our church. This is, this is a, a, gonna become a part of, of New Point's vernacular for years to come. Hey, have you taken the foundations class? You know, uh, this is going to be something that, 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 that uh, uh, is meant for all of us to, to go through. Again, we're trying to reset the culture of our church. It's meant for all of us to go through, but it is also meant for new people, in, you know, f for years to come to, to attend and go through this. We believe this will be the, the on-ramp for them into the, the life of our church, into ministry opportunities, ways to get entrenched in what's going on here. So we're not just attending. We're not just... We're not just consuming, but we are contributing to the, the vision that God has for this church. We're all kind of pulling together to make it happen. Foundations is, is critical. Again, it's, it's October 17th and 24th. It's for two hours after church on a Sunday morning. We're going to have lunch. Some of y'all know that you can't have a meeting without food. Uh, and we're going to have childcare. And we're trying to remove as many obstacles out of your life so that you can be here for this. And, uh, and it's going to be great. Pastor Josh is going to present it. Like he has written almost all of the content and it's solid, and it, and it sets the table for the kind of church we're trying to build here and the expectation that, that you should feel as someone who is a part of this church, the expectation you should feel for yourself, the role you're meant to play as we all kind of come together and reset and regroup to move this church into its future. It's going to be great, and um, there are going to be future offerings of this class, but I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to just not wait. Our goal is that within, within one year, all of us have gone through this class. And so I want you to, 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 to look at your calendar. I want you to, to circle it. I want you to move things 
out of your schedule so that we can, we can go through this together. If you're taking notes, look at this thought with me. It is our vision that as the world comes out of this season completely shaken, that we would come out of this season more rooted and grounded than ever before with a focus and determination to see the fame and deeds of God renewed in our day. Like, like the world's going to look one way coming out of this season, but my prayer has been that our church would look different. There would be, we'd be rooted, we'd be grounded, we'd be focused, we'd be on mission coming out of this season. I want to use the rest of our time talking about the church that I believe God wants to transform New Point into. So from the beginning of this journey of being the lead pastor almost four years ago, I have tried to do my best to communicate to you that I am not interested in just being a leader who maintains the status quo. And I don't say that because I believe that I'm, that I'm better or greater than any other pastor. I, I say that uh, because I believe that God has put this desire in my heart and has put a mandate on my life to carry that out. And this mandate is the source of the restlessness I feel as I evaluate where New Point is currently at, and then I compare it to where I believe God wants us to be. And it's my deep affection for this church because of that, that I believe that it is time for us to begin to move forward proactively by, by pursuing six characteristics that describe the church we want to become. The first one is this, it's an evangelizing church. We want to be an evangelizing church. We are going to be placing a higher level of importance on the sharing of the gospel with those who are unchurched, those who are dechurched, or those who have come from non-life-giving churches. We're looking for ways to equip you to do this so that, so that evangelism isn't just relegated to the pastors in the pulpit. We want to be an evangelizing church. And just, just to tell you about some back office thoughts and conversations that we have had recent and over the last several months, you know, I have often wonder, does the church even know that we want to grow? Does the church even know that we want more people here? Do, I mean, honestly, not, not to make you feel bad, but have we ever, like, have we just explained that in, in, you know, explicitly? Like, we want more people. We want to see more people here. I've often wondered, like, like maybe, maybe the people of New Point are, are just satisfied. Maybe, maybe they, some of them just want to go to a, a smaller church, and that's maybe what drew them here, you know? And and I've just, I've just wondered those things. But I have long felt that this church should grow. I've just long felt that, that it should. That there's like, I mean, there, there are just components to this church that are like, I love that. I love that. I love that. Like, it should grow. But look, we don't just want to grow for growth's sake around here or so that we can feel better about ourselves. I, I have, like, honestly, like, I, I don't need more people here to feel better about myself and feel like I'm doing a good job. Like, that's not what it's about. There are people who are desperate for something that can solve the deepest questions in their soul, and because of that, we want them to find those answers here. And you, you see them more often than I do. You rub shoulders with them every day of your life. There are people who are desperate they are desperate for something that can solve the deepest questions in their soul. And we want them here for that. And so this is why I, like, I want you, I'm asking you to be intentional to invite, just intentional to invite people. Look, if this church has changed your life or if this church has been a blessing to you, to your family, if you believe in what we're building here, then all I'm asking you to do is tell other people about it. 
tell some other people about it. I want us to be at a place at the end of 2022 that, that we, we are running two services. Like, it's, it's, it's a necessity here. We're looking at some creative strategies to help the people who are giving food, we're giving food to each week. We're giving food to people every single week. We've given food away to thousands of people over the last um, year and a half. I mean, it is, it is, it is no, no stretch to say it's over 20,000 people that we've given food to in the last year and a half through this church. And we are looking at ways, strategies, that we can help these people experience Jesus and grow in discipleship. How can we, how can we help them? How can we love them? How can we help them grow in Jesus? And look, we want to baptize a lot of people. Like, like I would love, I would love to have to have really short messages because we have so many people who want to get baptized. And I, I mean, I, this is just, this is a huge cry of my heart. We want to see people come to Jesus. We're not looking for people to transfer from other places who got tired of another church and now they're here. We want people who, who like, we can lead to Christ. And we want to baptize them. We want, I mean, I mean, would that not blow your mind? Would, is that not something for us to hunger for? Is that not something for us to pray for and desire that we could be a part of, of, of the answer that Jesus is wanting to bring to this city and, and we get to help baptize people into the faith? into the family of God. And so this is what we want to do, church. We want to love like every heart matters to God. We want to love like every heart matters to God. This is why we started this food distribution a year and a half ago, because quite honestly, if we didn't, all the, all the organizations that we were partnering with at the time, they, they basically said, you can't help us during this season. And so we're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, and if we had not done this, our church would have basically done nothing to touch people outside of the walls of this church we would have just gathered around our, our, our TVs and eventually here and heard some messages and sang some songs. There would have been no impact in, the, in, 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 our, in our city, no impact really outside of gathering together for the kingdom. And so we just decided, like, we're going we're gonna to dump serious money into this. And, you know, our, our church, I mean, we put in over $20,000 into just acquiring food over the last year and a half because we're like, we're going to make a difference in people's lives. We want people to know that they matter to God and we want people to know that they matter to us. And that's what happened. That's what happened. The second thing, characteristic of a, of a church I believe God wants to transform us into is one that has a robust discipleship strategy. Jesus makes it clear that the church is to exist for the purpose of making disciples. And to neglect that call is to, direct this, is to neglect this direct commandment. Look, I want every person who calls this church home to become deeply formed by the Spirit as you are challenged and given opportunities to grow in your relationship with Jesus, one of the terms that Pastor Josh and I love that we've, we've talked about is it's called disruptive discipleship. So we want this robust discipleship strategy that is disruptive to your life. Look, the way of Jesus is disruptive. It's not normal and it's not easy. And so what we want is we want to have clear-cut discipleship strategy in place that, that when, you, when you encounter it, it, it begins to disrupt things in your life. It begins to reorder the priorities of your life. It begins to show you that maybe, maybe the, the, the way you're walking needs to be different than the way you're walking right now. We want to have a disruptive discipleship strategy here at the church. That's why we're, we're implementing this foundations class here in, in, uh, in about a month. That's, that's like the launch into a lot of this. There's additional classes that we want to offer. There's one that I'm not even going to talk about because we don't know when we're going to offer it, but it is like big on our hearts. It's a 12-week class we want to offer, and, and uh, I think it will change a lot of your lives. 
And there's just a lot of thoughtful prayer going into this. And our vision is to, is to roll out a comprehensive plan this coming year. Over the next year, we, our vision is to roll out a comprehensive plan for, for discipleship here at our church. Because you need it. I need it. We all need it. The third thing, third characteristic of the church God wants to transform us into is a healthy, one that has a healthy community culture. The church is called to live and breathe together, to rise and fall as one. And I want to see our community become woven together in ways that we are not currently seeing. And just to acknowledge, um, this is not something that we have been particularly very good at, even before COVID. Like it's, it's probably true of our church that, 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 that unless you were maybe a part of, of some of the early days of us getting started, that, that it may be difficult for you to, to just... To just find your fit and to find relationships that are meaningful and that matter here. The time has come for us to regroup. It's time to regroup. The prefix re means to return back to. And the time has just come for us to return back to intentionally grouping together. Intentionally grouping together. Regrouping is an important thing that needs to happen because whenever people have been scattered, there needs to be a rallying point a place to meet, a place to regroup. Think about military operations for a moment. And after soldiers jump out of an airplane, they need to have a place to meet. They need to have a place to regroup. They have to have a rallying point, right? Their effectiveness in their operation is dependent on whether or not they find each other. Their effectiveness is dependent on whether or not they're able to regroup and come together again. And so I just want to tell you that there will be a big push over the next six months towards regrouping. A big push. We will be doubling down on life together this fall. Like, I need you to join a life group. I need you to ask us how you can get into a life group. It needs to happen. If you don't have time for it, you need to make a change in your life. You got to make a change in your life if you don't have time for it. We have some other ways of regrouping that we're working on right now. Ways that we're praying, ways that we're getting creative outside of life groups. Um, that I think are going to be some pretty, pretty neat ideas. And so, again, we are looking at rolling out a pretty comprehensive plan for regrouping here this fall. Um, you may not think you need this as much as you really do need this. We're going to be intentionally resisting the pull towards isolation. We're going to intentionally be resisting the pull towards this idea that we don't need other people especially when it comes to our faith, that somehow we can figure this out on our own or we can, we can journey by ourselves. We're going to be intentionally resisting that pull because you need other people. Like, like it, is, it is vital. In fact, look at this thought with me here. Regrouping in Christian community is vital to your spiritual success. You will never thrive as a follower of Jesus until you intentionally surround yourself with other followers of Jesus who can encourage you, build up your faith, set an example for you, challenge you, pray with you, and both teach you as well as learn from you. Like, you, you just won't thrive. Like, this is massively important. We are called to do life together. We're called to follow Jesus together as a family. And so we're going to be intentionally making a big push over the next six months towards regrouping uh, here at this church. The fourth is that there will be a high value for worship and prayer a high value for worship and prayer. Listen, standing in awe of God and believing him for the miraculous 
is something that has been deeply entrenched in my DNA since as long as I can remember. It is something that I, I value personally. And it's why I, I desire us to become known as a church that fervently seeks the heart of God and contends for the impossible to become normal. That just, that just is silly enough with our faith, just a little bit dangerous enough with our faith that we, we actually believe that the impossible could become normal. That God could really do whatever he wants, that he really can do what he says he can do. And so we want to be people in this church who pray like it all depends on God. We want, we want to be a church that is marked by our passion for God, our passion for prayer. And, and you've seen some of this. You've seen us try to roll some of this out over the last couple of years. We've had two years in a row of starting the new year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, you know, to, to begin 2019 and, or, or, or 2020 and 21. Just amazing that, like, after we had our very first uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting in, in 2020, we then, we then had a sermon series uh, called Life Together, and then all of a sudden in March, we can't really do life together like we had talked about doing. We had, we had all of this momentum at the start of 2020, and then all of a sudden I'm just going like, I, I don't know. I never would have thought as I was coming through the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we were teaching the series Life Together, that on Easter Sunday I'd be preaching to a room with nobody there and facing just a camera. Like, prayer's a big deal, and we've been trying to get this into our culture for a really long time, and we're going to continue to do, to do this. Like, like, a huge part of, of my, my desire, something that I've wanted for, for a long time, is that we would have um, fully trained and ready prayer teams and ministry teams that are at the, at the front, at the altar, after every service, every Sunday morning. People who are, who are ready and prepared, our elders and others who are prepared to be able to, to pray with you for you know, for healing in your body, for breakthrough in, in areas of your life that you're just discouraged about right now, just needing more of God or needing encouragement for your soul. Like, like this is what we want in our church. We want to place a high value on worship and prayer, a high value for the tangible presence of God. The fifth one, the fifth, fifth characteristic is that we want to see an increase in young people loving Jesus through this church. I want to see our church energized by an influx of young people who are passionate for Jesus. This includes grade school all the way through college. And my experience has been that when this happens, it has a profound impact on the church as a whole. Like, we want to have an excellent children's and youth program at this church. Not because we think like, hey, this is how we're going to attract people here, but because we actually believe that our kids don't serve some junior God or have some junior Holy Spirit, but because we believe that they can have a deep encounter with God at their age and that it can forever change the trajectory of their life. Imagine some of you, if you had had an encounter like that at a young age, what that might have done for you and what that might have kept you from. And so we want our kids to learn how to take Jesus seriously at a young age. And that's why we're committed to this. And so I want you to understand that we are wholeheartedly renewing our commitment to this. But it is, it is next to impossible at our size church for the success or the failure of this to land squarely on the shoulders of the church staff. It's next to impossible. Like I need our children and our youth to matter to you. Like I need you to pray for them. 
I need you to serve the ones who are already here, but I also need you to prophetically serve the ones who haven't come here yet. As you're serving other kids, I need you to be prophetically serving other kids and other families who desperately need this ministry in their life. And it just needs to happen. It needs to happen. This is the kind of church that God is wanting to transform us into. Look, look I, I, I am so not into like just chasing some picture or some brand. Like All I want is us to treat our kids with, with honor and respect. I want to treat our kids you know, take them seriously and believe that they, they can encounter God at this age. We don't seem to like set them apart and just entertain them for a little while while mom and dad have church. We, we want to believe that these guys can, can hear from God, can experience him in fresh ways at, at a young age and watch it mark them and change their life forever. And we want to see more people like this begin to love Jesus through this church. The sixth thing that I believe God wants to transform our church into is this. It is a group of people who are willing to pay a price for the future of this church. See, I want to see this church differentiate itself in our community by becoming full of people who reject a societal expectation to consume and instead use their lives to contribute towards the building up of this church. As I mentioned already, like I want to see us grow closer for sure. And a huge factor in achieving this is when people make the church a top priority in their life to the point where it becomes really the hub that the rest of their life sort of orbits around. And look, I, I, know, that I know who I'm preaching to, and I know the day and age I, like I, am, I am living in, but like you can't just read the Bible and, and get away from this. This is a reality in the, in, in the, in the model of the church in the New Testament. The, 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 the church was like the hub, everything orbited around it. Those relationships mattered. They sacrificed for each other. They loved each other in incredible ways. And together they were strengthened to, to let the world know that Jesus is the answer. And so I think to become the church that we need to be, it's going to cost all of us something, to be honest with you. I know that's a great uh, like recruiting pitch, or, 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 but it's going to cost all of us something, to be honest with you. I have often wondered over the last year and a half as I've been leading the church, like I've, I've, I've had moments of just like wondering like who else is going to give their life to this? Who else is going to give their life to this? You know? I wonder like will you personally sacrifice so that this church can become what it needs to be? Almost four years ago we moved into this building. This December will be four years when we moved into this building, and I've been grateful to the Lord for this place uh, in, in many ways. One of the things that happened when we moved in that has concerned me is that I think we might have lost some of our hustle, some of our getting after it. If you remember when we were a mobile church at the Tuscany Event Center, just a couple miles uh, that way, right, there in Urbandale, we were setting up and we were tearing down and we were getting after it. There was just a hustle in the spirit of our church. And, and honestly, I think that while this, church, this building has been, has been a good landing spot in some ways, um, we might have lost our hustle. And I just, I just need you to look at yourself and go, like, what can I do? How can I serve? What can I sacrifice to help get this church to where it needs to go? Because if we're just going to rely upon your pastors and the staff of this church to help make it happen, to be the ones that make it happen, we will continue to be right where we're at. 
for, for years. Again, if we just want to coast and if we just want to do church, we can do that for a while if that's the church you want. But it's not the church I want, and it's not the church that I think God wants. Andy Crouch talked about the, the competitive nature of our culture to determine winners and losers in this, this theory he established called the gospel and game theory. And, uh, and so he talked about how the most popular way this is accomplished is through I win, you lose. It's, it's the number one way in culture, that, that the most popular way in culture that we determine winners and losers. I win, you lose. So much of life is built on this. I got the job, you didn't. You know, I got the part, you didn't. The competitive instinct that makes us all just like want to be winners. Well, much of our society has become disgusted with the win-lose dichotomy, and so now the idea floating around is win-win. Like, how can you get what you want, and how can I get what I want? It's a win-win paradigm. The problem with win-win is that it, it almost never works. Usually it requires someone to compromise to keep the other person happy. And so he talks about how there's this, this third option, uh, and, and that it's the way of Jesus and that it's different, and it's called, I sacrifice, we win. I sacrifice, we win. It's redemptive. It's the way of Jesus. I give up what I have so that other people can win. I give up what I possess my time, my talents, my treasure. I give up what I have, and then, and then I watch God use that so that other people, other people win. Other people begin to um, just have incredible success in their life. And obviously in the context we're talking about is we want people to grow spiritually. We, we want to sacrifice so that other people can win in, in, in uh, the things of God. We need to be a church that is built with this mindset. I sacrifice, we win. Now, just in closing, you guys can get ready to come up. I want to just acknowledge, if you're taking notes, we have obvious facility challenges. We have obvious facility challenges. There is no doubt that this facility has created some challenges for us. And, and just, just those of you who have maybe been curious, yes, we do desire a new building that can better facilitate the ministry that we believe God wants to accomplish through this church the ministry that God has put in our heart. But I also refuse to let this building be an excuse for why we can't or why we didn't. So unless you want to build us a building or buy us a building, listen, like, and I mean that to some degree because we'll take it. Um, <laughs> look, unless, unless something like that begins to happen, we are going to continue to do what churches do. We are going to bring people to Jesus and we are going to make disciples. We are going to continue to do what churches do. I think that in order for us to really rebuild together in this new season, you have to understand really the philosophy of ministry that drives us. And so I want you to look at this with me here. It's this. The philosophy of ministry is to focus our energy energy and our resources on ministry and compassion efforts and to allow God to worry about the facility. Like, we refuse to do less ministry. We refuse to help less people so that we can squirrel enough money away to finally be able to acquire a permanent building. I just refuse to do that. Like, I refuse to lead a church like that. And quite honestly, like, that has been a discussion, even in 
recent meetings behind closed doors. When you look at the amount of money, like over $40,000 we will give out of this church this coming year. Over $40,000 we gave away last year that, that, that does not stay in-house. Money we give away to people who are in need. Money we give to help people pay their bills, to help people who are struggling, to help show people the love of Jesus. Our benevolence to the world, it's over $40,000 we'll give away. And, and, and you start going like, man, like that's, that's kind of a lot of money. Like, and we had this, this honest question as, as, as a board in, in recent days. We said, okay, so what kind of church are we wanting to be? Like, what is our highest value? What is our, our highest priority? Do we want to do a building? Because do we want to have a building? Because if we do, then, then we could start to make some drastic changes to our budget so that we can squirrel away tens of thousands of dollars year over year to position ourselves to be able to do that. And we all just said, look, like we don't, none of us want to be a part of a church like that. None of us want to be a part of a church that reduces ministry and helps less people so that we can go find a building. But we, but we need one. And, and we need one. And we need God to do something. We need God to do something. And so practically, you know, the way, the way we walk this out this year is in February, we converted Pastor Josh from a very, very part-time role to full-time status at our church. And you know, that, that's not cheap. I mean, he's, he's got a family. He's, we've got to take care of them. And so you're thinking like, man, we could, we could save all this money in our benevolence fund and we could not do that. And look, you're talking like a lot, like a decent amount. I mean, and we practically just decided, no, 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 no. This is how we're going to walk out our philosophy of ministry around here. Like, we're not going to reduce ministry. We're going to increase ministry. We're not going, to, not going to reduce the number of people we can help and reach. We're going to increase the number of people we can help and reach. And we are going to let God worry about the facility. Now, we're not being negligent. Like, we have, there is a team of people you know, that, 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 are, that are putting their feelers out there who are working on that. But, like, I, I'm really not distracted by it. It's not really something that comes across my mind all that often. When it comes to a future building, you don't, you don't know my, my thoughts on it? I am unwilling to accept a story that doesn't have the fingerprints of God on it. Like, I, I so want that for us. Like, I so want that. Like, I just, I want the fingerprints of God on this story for our church that we would, we would step back and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe, like, that shouldn't cost that much. It sh shouldn't have been free. You know, somebody shouldn't have died and left us all that money. You know, like, that's just, you know, I'm just giving you some ideas for your will. But... Look, I invite you to pray with me for a story that we cannot explain other than it was clearly God. I invite you to pray for that story for this church. And not just about a building, but about the days ahead that we, we just cannot explain what has happened other than it was God. One of the ways we have doubled down on our ministry philosophy is by launching a new effort we are calling Passion Projects. And so we've decided that we're gonna, we're gonna set aside money that is available for you to use. Look, I believe that there is talent and there is ability in this church. There are passions that God has put in you for his kingdom. 
to help and to make a difference in the lives of others. And so we, as an as, as a elder team, we have just set aside money for you to come to us and just say, hey, there's something in my heart, I wanna do this. And, and our elders are gonna, a couple of them at least, they'll sit with you, they'll talk with you, they'll help you develop anything you need and, and then we will fund it and, and we will allow the passions that exist in you to just begin to affect other people out there somewhere. Um, like we do not expect that, that, it, that everything we offer as a church is gonna meet every need and every desire that exists within you. And we just can't, we can't do that. We can't program like that here. We gotta just keep doing the main things. But there are, there are niche things, there are, there are unique things that exist in you that we wanna help unlock, that we wanna help give permission for, that we want you to, to, to know that your pastors and your elders here are giving you a green light to do some of the things that are deep within your heart and within your soul to accomplish. And so the passion projects exist for this purpose. And there's gonna be some criteria, like, you know, like you can't just, you know, like buy a cappuccino machine or something like that, you know, with it. But like, like we have like criteria for how this is gonna work. And I am so fired up about this. I'm so fired up about this because this, this again is us doubling down on this ministry philosophy that, that we are going to continue to help people. We're gonna to continue to love people. We're gonna to continue to make a difference in the lives of people, and we're gonna let God worry about the building. We wanna make what is paramount to Jesus paramount to us. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Okay. So back to Sakamoto real quick. He comes to this broken piano on the stage with the purpose of hearing its sound. And as you watch this clip, you see him and he sits down and he places his fingers gently on the keys. And it's, it's just this like very reverent moment because you just understand the backdrop of everything that has gone on. This piano has survived the tsunami and all of a sudden this master musician, he sits down and he begins to play a few chords. And it's strained and it's out of tune, but it's beautiful. And quite honestly, I think that that's the moment that we're in right now. We are on the stage of history, and Jesus says to us, be my church, and watch me orchestrate divine music that flows out of you to touch other people's lives. What sound is going to come out of our church after everything that has happened? What sound is gonna come out of our church? Man, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Listen, I am, I am more excited today about this church than I, has, than I have ever been. God is up to some incredible things. And today is just a glimpse. And I encourage you, I invite you to join us on this journey of affecting as many lives as we can in this community until Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. Father, we come before you today and we take our little church and we just place it at your feet. We surrender it to you, oh God. And I ask in Jesus' name, Father, that you would begin to write a story for this church that we could not have written ourselves. God, I ask for the fame and the deeds 
of God to be renewed and made known in our life in this church, oh God. I pray that there would be a sound that would begin to rumble in the belly of this church for the fame and the deeds of God to be renewed and made known once again. A hunger, God, for you to come to breathe upon this city and to breathe upon this ministry here, God. I pray for miracles once again, for people to be healed, for lives to be made whole, for those who are broken, God, to be put back together. Lord, I'm asking for you to come and release in this church things that we could have never imagined possible over this last year and a half when all of our attention was just focused on, 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 on in some ways ourselves and in some ways just this crisis. Lord, would you just begin to, 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 to birth something new in all of us, a hunger for the fame and the deeds of God to be made known. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.